Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Thank you so much for having listened today. If you are new to our podcast, this episode, MMS, My Millennial Story, where we just ask people their own story. It's really fascinating to hear how other people live, how other people manage their money, and a lot of you get so much out of this, so we'll always do My Millennial Stories. Now, if you are interested in buying a property, I've got eight steps to buying your first investment property or your first home to live in. Step one, build your financial foundations. Step two, save, optimize your budget, and get on the fast track. Three, dream and build a strategy. Four and five, and you can do these concurrently, get a savings target for your deposit and do your research and build your team. Six, then you get finance pre-approval. Seven, lock it all in, but then confirm your strategy. And number eight, go shopping, go buy a bloody house. Now, those eight steps to buying your first home to live in or your first investment property can be found in my new book, sort your money out and get invested. There's a link in the show notes. If you buy two or more of these books before the end of October, you'll get them for $22 each. But I did this deal because I know so many of you wanted to gift these books. I'm just so thankful for your support. And realistically, for $22, if you want to buy your first home, buy this book, get it next month. I can guarantee you, you'll get $22 worth. And if you follow my steps about buying your first home, buying your first investment property, you'll probably save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Anyway, let's get into this chat. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Welcome to My Millennial Money, Roseanne. Hi, Glenn. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. Yeah. So talk us through, I guess, your history with where you grew up, your childhood, everything, uh, because this is a very unique and important story that a lot of people need to hear. This is a story that we all need to learn from because all of us have a different background. And the more that we can have open conversations about our heritage and all the stuff, it will just make you a more rounded human to hear from more people. And that's why we do My Millennial Story. So, what was your childhood like, Roseanne? Yeah, well, that's exactly right, Glenn. So, a bit of an interesting background. Um, my family migrated as refugees to Australia um, when I was about four years old, so in 1989. Um, and at the time, the Soviet Union, so the Russians, had invaded um, Afghanistan in the 80s. So, we were given a better chance at life um, here. And yeah, so we fled, I guess you could say, a war-torn country. Um, and then after the Russians uh, left the country, there was about 12 years of civil war in Afghanistan. Yeah, so I came to Australia at about the age of 
four or five. And honestly, haven't really looked back. Now, do you remember, uh, because, you know, different ages, uh, we can remember different things. Like some people don't have early memories. Like I've got a memory. I think one of my earliest memories, I would have been two or three, like maybe. Like, do you remember that experience as a refugee? Unfortunately, because we, when we fled, we weren't able to bring sort of any photos or anything really. Um, so I don't have any memories in terms of photos or anything like that that can trigger that. There are things that I guess my parents have mentioned, but I don't know if it's what they've told me or memories. Um, yeah. But there were instances where there were things like bombs and things like that um, at quite a young age. And we had I guess you could say like an attic. So anything like that um, that would happen or a basement, we would just run down to the basement with all of that. Yeah. Wow. And so whereabouts did your family live in Afghanistan? Um, We lived in between, so one of the largest cities, which is uh, Ghazni and Kabul. So um, we interchanged between the two cities, but I was born in Kabul, the capital city. Yeah. Wow. Now, I guess if we draw attention to what's happening at the moment, uh, because I want people to, most of us have seen all the stuff on the news. Most of us have seen the stuff on social media, but just from like a human point of view, like a lot of people don't watch, you know, programs on the ABC and like have a deep dive of what's going on on the ground. And that's why I thought it's a really important story to hear. So you've still got family members that are living in Afghanistan at the moment. Yes. So my dad's side is still currently living in Afghanistan. Um, So my mum's side have managed to migrate over the years. Uh, But my dad's family is still living over there. So uh, when my dad chats to them, I guess, on a daily basis, There's a lot of uncertainty at the moment um, because as history will tell us, uh, you know, some of the things that the Taliban have done in the past have been quite brutal. Um, Mm. And also the opportunities that we've fought for in the last 20 years, such as, you know, women's rights, um, education. And the country has developed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, And even before all these wars happened, when my parents grew up in the 60s and 70s, they had a great life. I'm not sure if people have seen photos, but um, the Afghanistan that we associate now with war and destruction is not what it was in the 60s and 70s. It was quite a liberal country. My parents had a lot of freedoms. um, And it's only been now with four decades of war where... Yeah, there has been a lot of uncertainty, unsafety, war and damage. Um, So they are. My parents' family are extremely worried about what lies ahead in the future for them and they are looking for avenues to try and, uh, I guess, escape if they can. Now, I I know I can't get you to verbatim speak on behalf of your parents, but just, I guess, from you obviously having them in your life and all that stuff, like... So at the moment, the Taliban are pretty much, you know, got a really good publicist at the moment or they're saying, oh, no, it's the new thing and we respect yeah. everyone and all that. Like, does your family believe that that's smoke and mirrors and then when other countries leave and the, all the military presence has left that things will get back to, um, quote unquote, their business as usual and treating women like crap, basically? Yeah, 100% it's smoke and mirrors. I mean, people are saying uh, Taliban 2.0 have changed but um, it's almost saying like the Nazis have changed. So um, it's all definitely smoke and mirrors and 
we don't believe it. Um, mm. I guess when the world is watching you, not that they've been on their best behaviour by any means, but when the world is watching you and you have, I guess, financial uh, incentives to gain from, from it, then you're going to be doing what the world wants. Um, and they have put in deadlines like by the end of August, we want um, uh, the US out, we want um, this nonsense, I guess, in their words, to stop mm. um, so that they can do what they need to. Now, can I ask you about probably more just for an educational point for people listening that, you know, they are interested and they might have preconceived ideas, you know, the the most far extreme idea that, you know, and there would be people that think this, like um, Islam terrorists, and then the other extreme side, it's like, well, it's just no different than bloody Catholic Christian. Like, it's just a religion. Like, what's the problem here? So, do most people in Afghanistan practice Islam? Yeah, good question, Glenn. Um, Islam is the main religion. And unfortunately, the Taliban's version of Islam is not what's written in the Quran. Um, so the Quran might say something like, if people are still, um, they need to be punished. But their interpretation of that is, uh, you know, without wanting to um, scare anyone, uh, their interpretation is chop off their arms. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, their interpretation of adultery is stoning a woman to death, for example. And that's not what Islam says, but it's their interpretation or their version um, that they're trying to push on the country and the people. And you, you can see that the people don't want a bar of it. They're, they're trying to leave and they're trying to escape for a reason because um, it's a very draconian style of, yeah, dictatorship pretty much. And, and the problem, I guess, for the West and looking in and what had happened 20 years ago, um, Al-Qaeda could easily breed under the Taliban government basically. Uh, look, I, I think that that's possible now, 100%. Um, yeah. Especially because the Taliban can't be trusted and we've seen that in the past. Mm. Um, but in saying that, you know, it's been great that the US have been there the last 20 years, but unfortunately, um, you know, they have helped to liberate and they have brought a lot of freedoms to the country, but they also have their own agenda as well. So, um yeah. And, and like I was thinking this morning before we had a chat, it's like, this is just so complex beyond any comprehension. And I, you know, I actually don't know what needs to happen. I'd like, because I, I don't know. And, you know, politics gets involved yeah. and, you know, without yeah. going into it, because we're just not experienced in politics. Like, you know, Biden went to an election and said, we're out of there. And he like... You know, for him, I guess, as a politician, if he withdraws and Afghanistan gets worse, well, he just needs to wait a few news cycles anyway and that it's out of the front of every American. Like, it's just so convoluted. Yeah. And I don't think anyone was expecting Afghanistan, especially Afghan people, for the US to be there forever. Um, and we, we know that, that that couldn't have happened. 20 years was a long time. But unfortunately... The way they exited, um, there was no real exit plan. It was very chaotic. It was done very hap haphazardly. Um, and even they had signed earlier in the uh, agreements with the Taliban and they had released thousands of their prisoners as well. So there, there was definitely a better way this could have been done. But unfortunately now a lot of innocent people are suffering 
uh, because of their exit. Yeah. So, I, I just think um, we can all do something and I, I guess I've put in the Facebook group that, you know, the company that runs My Millennial Money, like I've committed a monthly amount now to UNICEF uh, and I did a, a once-off donation to UNHCR because it's my view that I would rather slow my wealth creation down at the expense of helping other people and it's not a popular thing in some money circles that, what, you got, you got to give money away, but no, don't you have to amass as much wealth as possible? So, that was my thing and I guess, you know, there's been comments was like, Glenn, just stick to money. We don't want your social views and all that. Well, it's that's probably as much as we're going to get on this topic because, you know, as soon as I steer off the money track, it, it's a bit wild because I'm still working a lot of stuff out. But, you know, in your mind, Roseanne, like, how would you encourage friends um, yeah. and people listening if they wanted to do something? Yeah. Um, I think personally for me, uh, the reason why I want to accumulate wealth is so that I can help others as well. Um, so that's one of the biggest drives for me. Um, but I think when you see all these images, it's easy to think you, f- you feel helpless and you think, what can I do? But such a small action as, and I know not everyone's in a position, but those that can, even if it's as little as $5 or $10, just think that that is going towards a bigger cause. Um, people that don't have homes or shelter or um, the clothes and just many very basic essentials um, that it feels worthwhile knowing you've done something something like that. And if you don't have any spare money to give, because, you know, it's 100% true that some people in Australia with lockdowns are doing it very tough. That's a fact. And I'm not saying if you are doing it tough that you should give financially. You need to look after your own house first. But if you can afford one or two dollars, do that. If that's a stretch, there's lots of online petitions that you can sign to our government to, you know, bring more people back into Australia. Yep. So there's definitely the ASRC website that you can go and sign petitions and uh, petitions to your like local MPs as well. Uh, so there's very small actions, uh, small actions that in the long run mean a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Now, moving along to you growing up in Australia, like, you're five years old, uh, you know, did you settle first in Melbourne? Have you always been in Melbourne? Yeah, we've always been in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, what was your family's experience? Um, because, you know, if you're four or five, particularly the first five years, you know, you're getting up to 10, 11 years old, starting to really acknowledge your space and people and growing into early teens. Like, what was your experience? Well, I guess thinking back to those times, it's only now that I'm older that I can appreciate, really appreciate it and be thankful and grateful for what my parents did for us and what they went through. It's only now that I look back that I see when they first came, they were pretty much in survival mode and they really gave us an opportunity for a better life. Um, They always pushed education on us. So I was thankful to have a really good education. My parents were really supportive of that. And I remember when I was the age of five and I first started school, I had no English. And I was that little girl in the class where people would look at me funny or um, I would be that student that would always be pulled out of class for extra assistance. 
And I think it's just given me all these things over the years um, have just given me a better appreciation, I think, for humanity and for other people. And I think because of it, it's given me a lot more empathy as well. Do you uh, still talk with your parents in, and this is how ignorant and dumb I am, I was going in the native tongue, like what's the actual, is there a main language? Because there's a a lot of different dialects. Yeah, there is. There's lots of different languages. Um, But what I speak, you can say Farsi, so I guess it's a version of Persian or Dari as well. Yeah, cool. And I guess as a child and being a refugee, what was money like? in the family? Like, did you notice things like, what did your parents do for work when, you know, the first five or 10 years in Australia, what type of income did they have? What type of support? Because this is a fascinating discussion because I've actually not asked a uh, anyone who's been here uh, based on a refugee event. I don't even know how to say this properly, but yeah. you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I guess initially we came over with very little. So my parents were pretty much building from scratch. Um, so, yeah, over those years I would go to my friends' houses and I think I would notice that they probably had more than us. And um, my parents probably couldn't give us as much growing up financially, but I think they made up for it in spades emotionally. But uh, they they built from nothing. They built from scratch, and now they are comfortable, and we are living quite a comfortable life now. Um, so I think that all of that has just given me that extra edge and that drive that maybe a lot of people, I guess, don't always get in life um, to help them get further ahead. And do you have any siblings? I'm actually one of six. So I wow. love the Brady Bunch. Three boys, three girls. <laughs> wow. So fun. And what are the age ranges at the moment? So my eldest sister is in her 40s. Uh, yep. And my youngest brother is 32. Wow. What a uh, what a clan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun growing up. Like um, we had a lot of fun. We were always there for each other. But, yeah, sometimes... We were in each other's space a lot too. <laughs> and so, you know, moving um, to Australia, like does your family, do you still practice Islam? Like where are we at with that yeah. cultural and religious side? Yeah, Islam is definitely my religion. And, you know, during Ramadan, I'll try and do my best to fast. And, yeah, I think to me at the end of the day, religion is what you take from it. And um, if it helps you to live a more fulfilling life and be a better person, then that's what religion is really about. Not all these divisions, I think, that have been caused because of it in the world. Um, So, yeah. But most, like, religious crap, it's all on the outskirts. It's all the extremes. Every... All crap and drama in life, it's the extreme rubbish that just... 100%. Like every religion has its rubbish. Um, And that's not the religion. That's the people. That's the people's interpretation. It's what they feed. And I'm sure we've seen, as we've seen with Corona, the the way people have interpreted it, it's just insane. So you can imagine what religion would bring with it as well. Just on that, like, you know, most of, you know, the social media crap that I see with Jesus is my vaccine, like I don't need a thing and all that stuff. 
I only see that stuff. I don't see like other religions in my feed. Just like, are there, do you get that crap with like the Islam community? Are they still like, um, or, just, or uh, just Christians idiots? Yeah, look, there, <laughs> there is people that kind of push their own agenda or own their own beliefs. And I think that's why I, I'm glad my parents have raised me to be a strong, independent person mm. and to be able to see through that, I guess, for lack of a better word, BS. <laughs> yeah. And you don't see much like um, with your communities and faith, much like vaccine hesitancy. Like it's probably just no, definitely the not. Same. Um, yeah. As far as I know, I think they're just as open that they have the fear of what's going around at the moment with the pandemic. Um, so they're all for it. So I think what we've arrived at, Roseanne, is um, before any religion, um, you're a reasonable person or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would hope like, I, so. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's just like, so, you know, all the stuff that you see on social media, on the news and all the drama, it's usually the extremes of any walks of life. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it is always extreme. And that's usually what gets headlines. And you would hope and think that people are self-educated enough to be able to see through that. But you'd be surprised, I guess... I have been ignorant in a lot of situations myself, so we're all guilty of it. Um, mm. But you'd be surprised to know how ignorant people are sometimes. And when people do ask me questions, sometimes I, th- I think they're worried that that might offend me, but I like it. I like people mm. being curious because it opens up just a good, honest um, dialogue. And we honestly, that's the only way we learn from each other. And and that's it, like me doing this podcast. I want to use the My Millennial platform on Instagram podcast for good. Most of our content will be around money and encourage you. But in times like this, I love weaving in, uh, for want of a better word, diversity stuff because we can learn from your experience about managing money and we'll talk to you about your own money and all that after the break. Uh, so, it is, it's, it's kind of... I've got a responsibility to make this platform uh, a public place for good and to help people understand uh, more about different walks of life. Yeah. And that's why I love platforms like this. We're very lucky to be at an age or at a generation where we do have access to information like this that, yeah, can hopefully just help us all to level up. Yeah, totally. We're going to take a quick break, everyone, and then we'll come back and we'll get into the weeds around Roseanne's money story. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we are back and I hope you've enjoyed the first part of the chat. And everyone, I just want to say, please accept my own apologies and always look at the heart behind my questions. I can't always, you know, get the right words. So, I can't be perfect, but I just ask you to please, with these social topics and stuff that's outside of the money world, trust me, I'm no different than anyone else. I'm learning and this is why we do that. So, thank you for your understanding and thank you for looking at the heart behind my questions. So, Roseanne, what are you doing uh, with your life? Tell me about your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm not sure if I mentioned I'm a school teacher. 
I don't think you did so, mention it, but okay. we I'm did now. I'm a school teacher and I teach uh, grade ones at the moment. So because we're in lockdown, it's all online learning, which has its own, oh, yeah, troubles. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so currently a school teacher and, yeah. And what about your living arrangement? Are you renting? Do you own? Do you board? Um, just at the moment I'm boarding. Um, but, yeah. And... Um, would you call yourself a spender or a saver? I would call myself a saver. Right. And uh, what are you currently um, aiming to save for? Do you have any financial goals at the moment? Um, probably I wouldn't mind. I'm saving towards an investment property. So that's probably my next sort of goal. Awesome. And do you know where you want to buy yet or are you just kind of getting a bit of deposit together? Not exactly know where I want to buy. I have been looking, um, but something hopefully that's also within my budget. So just, yeah, saving and searching at the minute. Love it. And do you have any like consumer debt at the moment? And for those who might not know when I say consumer debt, I'm talking about personal loans, credit cards, uh, buy now, get screwed later. I mean, buy now, pay <laughs> later, uh, all that type of stuff that you get a loan for, buy stuff that's worth nothing at the end of it, any of consumer debt? I did have a credit card and then I just found myself honestly blowing it out. It almost feels oh, like free so money the, sometimes. That's right. So the credit card was actually working. You were doing what the bank wanted you exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> and then I justify it by saying, oh, but I'm getting these points. So it's all good. But at the moment, I actually end up getting rid of my credit card and I do have buy now, pay later debt, but it's a small debt and it's manageable. Right. And what's your rationale behind using buy now, pay later? I like that I don't have to pay all of it. So the money's sitting in my offset account um, yep. and then it just takes it out when it needs it and I can pay it over a spaced amount of time. So it's more of a psychological play for you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I, I don't know if you heard an episode a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but I went on a huge rant to a CEO of a bank uh, about buy now, pay later, but uh I am nice to my guests like you. So, <laughs> so you're, you're not in favour of it, are you? <laughs> well, I just figure if you want something, buy it. Like yeah. it's just as simple as that. But I'm. it's funny like we were saying, I don't know if it's, we'll even make the recording, but we're kind of chatting in the break, uh, everyone that's like, we only know what we know, right? And we got our, we've got our own biases and all that. Like I really don't care if Roseanne uses buy now, pay later. Like- I actually don't mind if anyone uses it. I just don't use it myself. And I've just seen it be used in a way that people get caught up in it and it just... Yeah. And I share a really good story about someone who was going to use it and then circumstances changed in my book, which I will get you to send me your postal address after this and I'll get you a copy as a thank you as well. Oh, perfect. Thank you. So, okay, cool. So... You, you pretty much run pretty lean, like no big loans or anything like that? No, no big loans. But I understand how buy now, pay later can get people in trouble, especially if they have no self-control. Um, yeah. But no, I'm not a huge, I guess you could say, um, debt person. And so moving to the like your life and I guess family and community, and this could be an interesting one given that like – your family is obviously uh, from Afghanistan and obviously 
you know, who we are kind of stays who we are for a long time. So I'm getting to this cultural point. Uh, what's money conversations like with the Afghani culture? Like, would you tell your family that, hey guys, I've just got a pay rise and it, they gave me an extra 10 grand, yay, or... Like what? What do you talk about uh, your family around money? You know, it's only probably now that I've grown up that I wish we had more of those these conversations. Growing up, I feel like money we never really spoke about it. It was maybe a little bit of a shunned topic, I guess. So we never really talked about how much money you make, um, if you got a raise or anything like that. Uh, but now I think that I'm older. They're definitely conversations that I would love to have with my kids. Um, and just educate them around money. Yeah. Do you think or has there been a significant turning point in your financial mindset that you can think of that may have changed your view and that you've learned from it? If I look back on my like financial journey, I think I've always been a good saver, um, but I don't think I was conscious of it. So the difference now is that I'm probably more conscious of my spending habits and my money habits. Um, and I have things or systems in place now to try and help, I guess, accumulate wealth for myself. Um, and it's been things like my millennial money, equity mates. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot. I read books. I look online. So I'm always looking to self-educate around money and finances. So while you're saving for your next investment property, um, do you already have a property? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you may have because you said um, offset. Yeah. Um, so, so you've got one investment property at the moment. Yeah. Where is that located? Uh, Patterson Lakes. I don't know where that is, but it sounds lovely. Um, is that like within 100 k's of Melbourne CBD? Yeah, it is. It's about within 30 k's of CBD, um, but it's just a small unit. Yeah, great. Um, so you want to save up and buy another investment property. Yeah. And like, have you done any other types of investing, like with shares or anything like that? Yeah, I am invested in the share market. I'm looking into Bitcoin, but it wouldn't be a big amount. Like it'd be just a small amount and something that I could lose if I had to. Um, but I am invested in the share market, yes. Yeah, cool. And how do you invest in the share market? I try to go for ETFs. Um, yep. Just because I feel like it's a safer option. I do have a few independent companies as well, but I will try to do my research and look into those more deeply before purchasing. What's, uh, what's an example of one of the direct shares that you do hold and what was the rationale behind purchasing that? Um, just trying to think what I purchased. Telstra, I guess. Yep. Um, I know it's one of the bigger blue chip companies. And yep. I try to look into like their PE ratios, things like that. But yeah, just yep. various, various things I've read up on Telstra. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And for those, you know, we won't cover it now, but if you're wondering uh, when Roseanne said PE ratios, just scroll back through the podcast and, you know, a couple of weeks or maybe within the last six weeks of this episode, when you see it in the feed, there's actually an episode there that has PE ratio uh, in the uh, title. So you can have a listen to that. So do you have any plan of uh, buying your own house to live in or are you just kind of happy to kind of rent vest? And I think the plan is to move into my um, current investment property um, and just possibly renovate that and move in there within maybe the next year. 
And do you have a, a partner or anyone that you've combined your money with? Not currently. <laughs> yeah, that's cool because there was a bit of a conversation in the Facebook group and you did say you weren't in there. So I'll just give you the, the high level and, and someone put up that, um, hey everyone, I'm a single young lady. I just bought my first house and it got a little bit feral. Um, and I don't know why, because I think someone, some guy was like, oh, why is it just so important for a single, single young lady? Like single guys can buy their home too. Yeah. Um, do you want to make any comments, not specifically to that because you haven't read any of it, but just your own vibe on, I don't know. On where women stand with money or? I don't know what we're going here. I just want to say you're awesome. And if there's any young ladies listening and they you want to buy a freaking house, buy it. You've got all my support yeah. in the world and no, it can be done. I think, it can be done. Mm. I think if you can buy with someone, perfect. But if you're not in a position to do so, don't wait around for that person to come around. Just do it yourself. Um, everyone's capable. We have the resources. We're very lucky in Australia. It's a wealthy country. Mm. All it takes is a little bit of self-education and there's so many things available to us. Just don't make any excuses and just get out there and do it. Whether you're a young woman, male, whatever you are, we're lucky, very lucky. So I guess what you're saying is there's no excuses. If you've got a decent job, you stay out of debt and you want to buy a house, well, save, sacrifice and go and bloody buy a house. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Look, it's <laughs> definitely much harder for our generation, but yeah. it's possible. Yeah. And that's it. It, it is really like... Like we did a podcast, um, you know, recently encouraging people to, you know, save for their first home deposit, whether it's a home or investment property. Like there is going to be a sacrifice. Everyone's going to have their thing. Like you're boarding at the moment. Like you didn't rent a thousand dollar a week penthouse in the middle of Melbourne while you were saving for your first investment property, were you? Yeah. Or you may be, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone does, yeah, have to make those little sacrifices but if they keep their eyes on the prize and the bigger picture, it's definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah. What's the best thing you've ever done in your life, do you think? Or maybe what you're most proud of or I don't know, anything like that? For me, I think it's experiences. I love travelling and obviously with COVID we haven't been able to do that. But, you know, I've been able to put myself in a position where I I have been able to, in the past, go travelling for up to three months. Um, mm. And that was Europe, actually, in 2019. So I went to some amazing countries like Cappadocia and Turkey, did the um, flying balloons, hot air balloons, Iceland. So those memories, I was proud that I was able to do it on my own and, yeah, yeah financially as well, but independently. And they're the experiences that will really stay with me. Man, your parents must be, like, so proud of you. Like, are they? Like, it's just... I don't know. I think they are. They're, they're proud of all of us, but I think yeah. they've always had very high expectations. Um, mm. But, yeah, sometimes I feel like I could be doing more, I should be doing more. But, mm. yeah, I think they're but proud. I just... And I'm just thinking, because I get stuck in my own head and... You know, there's thousands of people that bloody listen to this and what up, thanks for listening, everyone. But like I say stuff like that and think, oh, there's going to be people that probably think like, oh, that was such a patronizing thing to say. But in just reflection, like your parents made the biggest sacrifice and took the biggest risk of 
that anyone could ever imagine. Yeah, 100%. And it just, it's paid off with their children and Mm -hmm. the fruitfulness in your life. You know what I mean? Like it's just. I think it's only with everything that's happened in Afghanistan um, recently and the way that it impacted me um, that I had a true appreciation of what they went through almost 30-something years ago. Um, They're almost reliving that PTSD again, um, that trauma and that survivor guilt that we're all feeling. But, you know, kudos to all of them, like all our parents um, or any refugee family that have come over and sacrificed everything and started from scratch because while everyone else, I guess, has been thriving, they've had to survive first um, to get to where they are. And and let's be clear as well, like people like your parents who have fled and have arrived uh, as a refugee, you know, we see this crap on the news with all these videos like, you can't imagine the stuff that didn't get caught on a news camera. Like, yeah. so it's just, it's yeah. so wild. I wish people would, I mean, you don't want to put too many images out there, but there's a lot that we're not seeing. Um, mm. So my heart is always with the people of Afghanistan and not only Afghanistan, but everywhere that where there is suff- human suffering, um, there is a lot that we're not being exposed to or seeing and, a lot that's not making headlines, like even with what's happening in Afghanistan, it is the big ticket news item this week. Mm. Um, but next week it won't be, and that doesn't mean that the situation's any better. If anything, things are getting worse. It's just that we're not hearing about it as much. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, there's just countless countries with unrest, like Syria, for example, like yeah. Gaza, like just, yeah, just, and we don't wild. hear as much about all these countries, but it doesn't mean that it's any better. Yeah. So, um, just wrapping it up and I, I really want to thank you for, you know, giving us your time and, and having a chat with us. Do you want to leave us with any final words of wisdom? I kind of, when I do these My Millennial Stories, kind of just throw it to you and you can just say anything that you want. Like, what do you want to say? Uh, firstly, thank you for having me on your show, Glenn. Um, yeah, it's been really good to have an opportunity to have a voice and to speak for so many people that don't get that opportunity. Um, I guess I would say my call to action would be for everyone to keep educating yourselves, to keep learning um, about the world around you because we're, our similarities bring us more together than our differences. That's um, so good. <laughs> and also there are a few tra- charities like Mabuba's um, Promise. And I can forward these on to you, Glenn, if you yeah, like. Yeah, please do. Yeah, because we'll um, put them in the show notes. Yeah, there's a few different charities, but please donate. I know everyone's in a position of their own, um, but even if it's something as small as $5, it goes a long way. Um, and just to sign those petitions, but I'll give those details to Glenn um, and he can put them on for everyone. Yeah, That's I actually right. signed a petition last night online yeah. um, to increase the threshold to 20,000 refugees yeah. from Afghanistan. So, yeah, great. And um, I've done the same as well. So Yeah, so it's just, you know, we've all got to forget our differences. Let's agree as humans and look at the injustice and let's come together. Like. That's all we can do, right? That's right. Uh, now, what I'm going to do, send me the email with the links, Roseanne. Send me an email with your postal address. I'll send you a, a copy of the book as soon as it's um, ready to go. Thank you. And then I will send you a, um, we'll get you registered for the My Millennial Money live Melbourne show whenever we do that because I'd love if uh, 
you would like to come, I'll give you get you a couple of tickets if you want to bring a friend or whatnot. I would love that. And for those who have their tickets, I think I've just got an email uh, just before we started recording. Let me have a look here, everyone. Friday, the 10th of December, it's been booked in for. Uh, if you've got your ticket, it will still work. Uh, we are doing a Melbourne show because I've paid freaking 10 grand for the venue and the sound and the lights, and that's non-refundable. You can just move it because of COVID. So <laughs> it has, it's going to go ahead. Uh, and if it gets pushed from December because of COVID and if I can't get there because of whatever reason, we will be doing it in January. So um, yeah, there's... Still tickets, but understand if you want to wait till we've got some final certainty, everyone. Uh, but certainly, Roseanne, I would love to see you at our live event as well. Would love to be there. Thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. See ya. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.